0: hey guys welcome back to the lift smart podcast uh this week was a little bit of a different one a really fun episode i got to hang out with my pretty good mates uh dr dan kirkbride and anthony hawk back again round two um look i i i love talking about strength training coaching biomechanics with these guys i just really respect their approach more than anything like I, i feel like they're so um they, they do so many things as devoid of ego as possible and I really think that they try to approach things in a, in a really reasonable way, a really um, sort of digestible way and I love that, you know, it's something that I strive to do myself with my own coaching and We had a really fun chat we only got to go through two topics Um, we we got to touch on some anterior shoulder pain issues that people often get when they're benching and then we also uh, were able to look at some squat issues that people tend to have when they just get too focused on having a vertical bar path as opposed to squatting well so you know, uh, I, I think everybody's going to take a lot from this. It was really fun, man. We have a lot of fun. Um, love to be able to do it again. If people do want to hear from us uh, more in this format, this kind of like three-person format, let us know. You know, comment on uh, YouTube, send us a message. Send us a message about any topics that you want to hear in the future too. We'd love to be able to just continue doing this uh, semi-regularly for you guys. Um, so if you enjoy, us, uh, enjoy it, let us know. And uh, without further ado, let's get stuck into the episode. See you guys. Cool. All right. Well, uh, finally got the three of us together in a virtual space, which is a rarity and a necessity i guess it's like both of those things and then Mm -hmm. we finally got our schedules to align which of all days is on a wednesday which you know is weird i guess that's Mm -hmm. like our weekend and (laughs) yeah yeah, you know you don't get saturdays and sundays and we're we're all uh suffering in one way or another covid kind of stuff too yeah, they, we're, you're in Melbourne right now, aren't you, Dan? So it's like more or less back to normal, kind of like Adelaide is. We just can't see each other.
1: Yeah, we actually. All right. Did yeah,
0: the, the Montagues and the Capulets, we're just not allowed to mix with each other. Example. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Very- um, how are you guys doing? How's everything going? What, well. What's everybody got on the boil? I'm all
2: right. Works good pretty flat out it was very stressful with um, the whole covid situation everything got real backlogged which is the only problem because when you're booking yep. and then you got to try and fit another week's worth of people in mm. um it doesn't, it's like hundred people trying to run through a doorway it's that big it's pretty hard so that was um that's been pretty crappy to balance but life's good brother no complaints
1: yeah sweet what about you dan yeah similar to and it's different um Slightly different online, but same sort of. Uh, I don't know how I got so busy, but like, yeah, it's been flat out <laughs> the last few weeks. To be honest, and then I think <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why
0: people keep paying me. I don't know <laughs> what what's happening right
1: now. Yeah. I have a I have a habit of saying yes, and I should say no, and then I put myself on stupid deadlines, and then I hate myself for it and say, I'll never do it again. And then a few weeks later, I do it again. Yeah. So, um, you're
0: like, oh, I'm bored. I need something. I should just run myself into the ground again. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm bored. I have too much energy. Let's, um, let's ruin that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's been good, but obviously uh,
0: shenanigans this week with
1: uh, getting old. So I'm um, trying to front log a bit of work so I can, um, you know, not get too far behind on the weekend.
0: Yeah. You're officially over a quarter century old now, man.
1: Slippery yeah. slope to 30. Just saying. Right. Don't know if you've heard work. that yet. Then, uh, Mate, if I had
0: a dollar, wouldn't have to work for it uh, I'm the that. only one in this room that's experienced that. I don't even know what you guys are even talking about yet. You weren't talking yeah. about a slippery slope to 30. It's even slipperier to 40. I just feel oh, everything just slipping yeah. away from me now. Don't say like, that. No, no. I'm only 26, yeah. man. I'm, I'm I'm looking young, right? I'm just I had a yeah. I had a great 30th. So I I really like th- my 30th birthday is like one of my more memorable ones. We went down to Pirate Life and. Had uh, a pretty outrageous day for like, I don't know, like 12 hours. And I remember my friends, Campbell and Harrison, uh, like Campbell tackled Harrison through the door of a pizza hut. And then we all went to some weird, like, I don't even know what it was like at Hart's mill. And it was some, I don't even know. It was like some disco thing. And I bought a copy of Bleed American by Jimmy Eat World on vinyl. And then I was like, Janine, let's go home. I'm done. And that was like one in the morning. It was weird. That's right. It was a little bit of a weird ending, but it was a good day. Weird's good though. It's
2: it's like it's it's you know, it's normal's boring, man. It's good that you had friends tackle each other through the door of a pizza hut. You know what I mean? That's the go. That's what you
0: they they don't even remember that. That's I remember it vividly. I I was like, hey, do you remember like assaulting your brother in this pizza <laughs> No, I don't. Yeah, it happens. It's a real thing.
2: Mm, looking forward to a 30th now. Let's see if we can get some pizza thing. My 21st, oh, that's the only birthday I had that's of significance and I'm not willing to talk about that on record.
0: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> don't. This is going on public record. Yeah, it's not
2: happening.
1: We'll, uh, incriminate ourselves. I'd yeah. say I'm fifth 25th, but uh, yeah, same as them. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just plead, plead the 5th. Oh, your birthday
1: oh, events here very different to yours it was uh yours is very chilled yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like our, let's just say our style of music sums up our styles of parties yeah, uh, yeah. your
0: terrible terrible music and your terrible parties then
2: terrible great music probably Doof.
0: no yeah. please need some <laughs> distortion in there somewhere that's odd. makes me happy i feel like a grizzled old man you know like meme where it's like uh, or even that picture where it's like uh abraham simpson it's like old man uh yells at sky that's yeah. that's like me when i talk about music now i'm just like people bring it up and like don't make me listen to that like <laughs> I don't don't you, you don't you don't want to know what my opinion is on that music yeah, it's fair enough. <laughs> i do know your opinion on that music so yes i've asked all <laughs> right um so we've got a couple of different topics are we just going to toss those out like what are we actually going to be tackling today because i was pretty unsuccessful and get any topics in my questions so what did you guys get
1: let me go into the archives
2: i can rattle them off because two of them are pretty easy one of them is uh how do we address a- anterior shoulder instability during a bench press mm-hmm. uh, the other one is relating to uh posture good and bad um while desk working so that's probably going to open a can of worms okay and- and the third and probably most important one is uh, who would win in a fight between the three of us?
1: The
0: so, <laughs> people well, want is, on. That an easy answer.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that's that's my three men, and they're both. I mean, the, the first two are pretty like posture is... I mean, obviously, we could probably rant about that most of the day. I reckon. Um, yeah. Anterior instability when bench pressing. I know about anterior instability. I'm not very good at bench pressing, but I know. Yeah. A
0: it's like my my. I don't know. My my response to that is almost like, how do you know it's instability? Like, how okay. are we actually defining an instability? Like, by by what sort of parameters are we and saying that it's an that's instability the, issue?
2: Fantastic conversation, I think. Right? Yeah. Dan, I've, I've
1: got one which is uh, which Sam will like. What are your thoughts <laughs> on a <laughs> a perfect vertical bar path in a barbell back squat? Oh,
0: yeah, bring it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then the next one is. It's actually the same question worded twice. I don't know which one to read. Um, When do you know it is time to rebuild your technique on lifting and take off weights? Or when do you know it is time to add weights to your lift?
0: I mean, those aren't aren't bad questions, right? Like, I think they're they're like decent questions in the sense that
1: they're common,
0: right? Yeah, like they're Mm. they're pretty, they come up a lot. So I think it's worth diving into. It's worth
2: answering. absolutely. All of them are reasonable questions, I think.
0: I really want to get stuck into Hit it. probably the anterior shoulder one. I, I'd be keen to hear about that because I think that stability and instability is a term that gets bandied around a lot. And I'm not saying it doesn't exist because I don't sit in that camp where I've like, we've heard people say that it doesn't exist. And I think that that's too much of an oversimplification. Like, We can't just say instability doesn't exist because it does um in the same way that stability exists too right it's it's still like exists at least theoretically so i i I guess like i i whenever i hear this from someone they're like my shoulder is very unstable i just i feel like that almost speaks more to their their like their perception of the joint more than what's actually going on in the joint itself like it's almost like they're, they're they're just like giving voice to how they're mentally feeling in the set as opposed to like some kind of physical phenomenon i don't i don't know where you guys stand on the stability instability stuff but to me it just it, it always just kind of muddies the waters too too much it, it's it, it just it, it doesn't ever seem helpful to me yeah i don't know yeah. how you guys feel someone's getting feedback just by the way yes yeah, i first and foremost we're getting feedback Are you getting feedback from me now yeah, no, no, now we're all good. Good now. Yeah, we're yeah, good man. now. All right, cool. Um,
2: feedback. Uh, sorry, not feedback. <laughs> 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 oh, girl, Uh, instability. <laughs> it's it is a tricky one. I think a lot of a lot of people's like I have instability. I agree with you. I think it has a lot more to do with probably joint perception versus actual instability. Because you mm. over in physio land, if you're talking to me about an unstable shoulder, then you know that shoulder has to have at some point either you know experienced a significant instability episode whether that be a, a dislocation of some description or subluxation, um or has to have some sort of genetical congenital abnormality right whether yeah. you've got sort of weird collagen disorder which means that you've got you know more laxity like an endless down loss or something like that yeah um, yeah you know apart from that if, if someone's coming to me and saying my shoulder's unstable you know that's that's when i think you can start to divide things into two different camps like is this uh, what I would call like a structural instability or is this more of like an active instability? Whereas, you know, you just don't quite have the capacity to either coordinate or activate or have insufficient strength around the scapula or the cuff or both normally um, in order to be able to actually do the tasks that you want. Right. So kind of, that's, that's, that's my stance is, you know, which basket do you fit in? Uh, and is there some sort of underlying pathology that's precipitated what we're dealing with?
0: Hmm.
1: What do you reckon, I'm, Dan? with the words right out of my mouth. I like this bloke. The <laughs> like only different word I was going to say it was like I kind of say it's like congenital, uh, you know, which is the category of you know air loss, down loss, or any connected tissue disorders. And then I usually, for lack of a better term, say it's more like a functional one, where it could be you've damaged passive structures, you've got uh, differences in morphology, or you know you've had some sort of incident or trauma which has caused you know decreased stability capacity from a joint perspective. Mm. Um, and then, you know, sort of obviously the third category being, you know, motor control active, which I think, you know, we all know exists, but that's not, you know, I, I think also, like you were saying, Sam, to some people, they're a bit like, oh, stability doesn't exist. It's all motor control. And then you got people saying stability is everything. I think it's like, yeah, there's joint stability, which is like a structural morphological ph- phenomenon. I can't say that word. Um, and then <laughs> on top of that, we need to think about motor control as well. And if we can put those two things together, well, you know, obviously we have the best of both worlds.
0: yeah i think what what probably a lot of people um i I guess i like i I almost take issue with the idea of instability in in that sense if we're not talking about something like uh earl's danlos yeah yeah yeah. like that because that's a thing like that's a genuine syndrome right like it it happens but a lot of the time i think um when people are talking about instability or stability it's almost like they're saying that the joint is doing something that it shouldn't be doing when in reality the feedback that you're getting is just the joint responding to the environment that it's in like it's doing exactly what it should be doing in that environment so i'm not sure like when people kind of say what's really it feels really unstable i'm like okay maybe it doesn't feel unstable maybe it just feels shitty and you you've run out of some capacity there but it's it's not necessarily doing something that it should not be doing it's it's doing what you know the the structures around it are guiding it to do what we need to do is just sort of guide it somewhere else potentially so that's that's maybe where i take more of my issue when people talk about like shoulder instability my shoulder feels really unstable it's like maybe your shoulder just not even lacks variability but maybe it's just you know it just something feeling shitty doesn't necessarily equate to it being like inherently like uh, i guess like malfunctioning
1: almost like because it's
0: still it's still producing these sorts of responses in a very sort of finite set that it's existing in so i think we just need to talk less about okay stable unstable for someone like that and maybe just talk okay like Test, test for capacity. Like what are we really testing ultimately? That's, that's like my objection to a lot of the talk around stability and stability. Uh, and again, I'm not saying it's, it doesn't exist either end of the spectrum. I, I just don't think it really helps people very much. Yeah, you know, we true. just talk about capacity and where you are and where you potentially need to be or what might be slightly better. I, I think it helps. And, and whenever I hear people say I have shoulder in anterior shoulder instability, unless there's a massive trauma there or a syndrome yeah then i think there's just a big misunderstanding in language that we can guide people away from
2: you've nailed it the language bit's huge i think it's sometimes i tend to find it's just like a a a poorly articulated explanation of what they're actually feeling Like when you probe it's like you know is it unstable like you know do you feel like using words like you know you unsafe or would you be comfortable throwing a ball they'll be like oh of course i'm like well that's pretty hard, but like you got to throw it and you got to whip it. And you're pretty happy to do that. So is it unstable or is this just the fact that, you know, your shoulder is unable to give you the capacity, as you said, you want in a given position. Mm. And then it's also the word unhelpful. I completely agree with you, man. It's like when we think about labeling, which is like called uh, nosology, when we, in, in physio land, it's like, you know, the labels that people give themselves or each other. Unstable is a shit word to walk around with, man. You don't want that, right? You walk around and say, I can't bench because my shoulder's unstable. When you, you say unstable, my head, I just think about this like head of humerus that it just is flapping around, and this person's like you know
0: glenoid. Yeah, like, like I, I would expect to see a pretty janky shoulder. Oh yeah. If somebody yeah. said they had an unstable shoulder, like it would have to look pretty busted up.
2: Absolutely, and it would just have to be you know really sloppy on passive assessment. This is like again how I would uh, define an, an unstable shoulder, and maybe that's that's another kind of caveat: is that how the hell do you actually define like unstable? Like, when, when is enough millimeters of movement? in the area are going to actually make it unstable versus stable. I don't know.
0: And so, is it just like perception versus actual instability as well? Cause like how we perceive instability is very different from like actual mechanical instability, like 100%. physical instability. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Right. Uh, absolutely. Like, if it doesn't really affect your intervention, I think half the time it's, it's unnecessary too, because it's like, well, if you've got <clears throat> structural instability, like if you have damage to passive structures, we can't change that if you have a torn labrum we can't change that if you have eds i can't change that so it's like no matter like even if it is unstable from trauma from a structural point of view like it's not really going to change your intervention because you still have to improve improve function in you know positions that have less active stability or less you know stability from the structures but like it's not actually going to influence your decision making or influence your interventions i think so in that scenario it's like why i think sometimes it's a little bit unnecessary
0: yeah yeah that's that's kind of what i'm trying to get at is like i I just don't know how helpful it is to discuss this stuff in terms of stable or unstable if the way we approach it is still the same
1: yeah it's like cool if you feel unstable at the in your anterior shoulder when you bench press then we need to get better at doing that specific movement maybe we do some tempos and some eccentrics and some variations and you know it's not going to Maybe we have to do some fancy stability exercise.
0: Yeah, right. Like if somebody if somebody said, "Now my shoulder feels really stable, but it just hurts at the bottom of the press. Hmm. Or if somebody was like, my shoulder is really unstable and it hurts at the bottom of the press, we'd probably still assess yeah. it and address it in the same way. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. We might modify the press. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that now yeah
1: i'll go left floor press and control that range of motion before i give you an extra two inches yeah
0: maybe (laughs) maybe i I don't always do it that way i mean i i like programming floor pressing Mm. i i do it because i think it's a really good way to just sort of mitigate overall stress but i think it would i i would probably go like i mean i've had some clients with some shoulder injuries recently but um yeah, it depends on like how much pain they're experiencing of course like if it's a massive amount of pain i'd probably be more inclined to go to the floor press but even something like hook lying i think like even if they're doing a bench press rather than like go to a feet up bench press a lasting press or a hook lying bench press i think is a pretty good option because then you're just teaching them how to drive more of their rib cage back in space or like back into the bench because i think that's one of the one of the bigger things that I tend to see like people really getting that anterior shoulder pain is just, they, they almost forget, um, the, you know, cause like we cue bench press, like chest up, chest up, chest up. Yeah. It's almost like that gets done to death to the point where you actually forget you still need to create a tremendous amount of like counter force down into the bench with your rib cage in order to balance out the force of the bar and actually use your pecs. Yeah, right. right. So you're going to get this like anterior shoulder pain. If your pecs are always in this like lengthened and eccentrically loaded position. So if you can't shorten your pecs and drive your, your thorax, your thoracic down into the bench, uh, then you, you're going to have a lot of issues with that. I don't think it will go away. So I think like addressing it with more pec dominant variations, but you don't necessarily need to reduce the range like a hook lying or feet up last. And like I said, um and then incorporating more reaching too um and uh, honestly like giving people more pec pumps more often is also good I, absolutely
2: always <laughs> yeah. do. I don't even know what the freaking problem is but i always think that's an answer
0: yeah i it's like you know you, you will probably end up talking about knee pain as well but it's like i've never i have said it before it's like i've never met anyone whose like quads were too strong like, you know, uh, like, oh, you've come in and you, your quads, they're too strong. Like we're, we need to actually get your hamstrings stronger uh, to balance out your insanely strong quads. It's like, no, the like quad dominant doesn't mean quad strong. It just means that the quad is taking over, but it's doesn't mean that it's strong the same way with like pecs people are like, no, you're very pec dominant. You shouldn't do any pecs. It's like, do more pecs, yeah. like do, do more of it right like there's no way they're too strong that's my my opinion on it and how i'd go about starting to maybe address some of that but then there's all sorts of crazy shit that we could go into as well like manubrium expansion and everything like Hmm. that too (laughs) it's true it's like an option right like you could look at it because it plays like oh Um, like it plays a little bit of a part but like how much of a part it does play like you know look i i don't know if julius maddox worries about his manubrium very much no i
2: don't you know, know he's just
0: <laughs> he's just julius that. maddox he just mentions 350 and probably like he'd be like i don't know what a manubrium is get out of my way uh, man. Yeah, and,
2: yeah, like... exactly.
0: <laughs> let me crush you and this yeah. way
2: <laughs> absolutely right man uh yeah that the the, the benching that was super interesting the, the actual like getting more like depression and kind of encouraging yourself to push more into the bench press i've never thought of it like that man ever that's really good i mean Really good. It's like, well, you need,
0: like for every for every force, you need to be able to create equal and opposite force, right? That so you got force better. from the bar. You still need to be able to create an equal and opposing force from from the rib cage. That's yeah. why you're driving with your legs. Yeah, that
2: makes a lot of sense.
0: It's my dude once said that. Yeah, <laughs> 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 we don't need to bring him up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I said that. That's actually yeah. Sam's law. That's actually yeah. Law <laughs>
1: of Bench Press. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Have you tried one, that one as well?
1: Hey, have you trademarked that
0: one? Yeah, after an apple fell on my chest uh, the other day, I came up with it. Uh, Isaac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's without kind of, hopefully, we didn't rip that person that asked the question to shreds.
0: No, I mean, that's only my strength. Like, that's only one perspective, right? Like, yeah, that's cool. just strength. That's how I look at things. But mm-hmm. I don't know how you guys, what you guys start to think when you start to hear that. Well, generally when
2: I see people coming in and talking to me about instability, the first thing I want to look at is like, is this person actually unstable? Like, Because sometimes they are. I do see a feb few anterior shoulder dislocations. I do. So, you know, uh, would I get this person going straight back onto doing some bench presses? Yeah, maybe actually if they weren't that sore. I, I, I wouldn't be super apprehensive to be completely honest with you. Um, but it all, again, I'm going to say the first it depends of the podcast and here it is. It depends, man, right? If I've got this person that's come in and is horrendously inhibited and they are... Uh, Struggling to even do low-level stuff, well, then I'm going to probably get them doing that first because of two reasons. One, I bet you they're in a hell of a lot of pain, and irrespective of what's going on, if you're in pain, you're probably not going to do a fantastic job of an exercise. You know, once that's combated, then I'd be looking to progressing them into more difficult stuff, like the things that they're not doing because of the discomfort, and then into things like bench press as well. So, look, if we're going to answer this question to this guy, in in you know from a, a physio summary is first and foremost, go find out if you actually have a legitimate instability. You know, have you anteriorly dislocated? Um, have you done anything else? Or are you predisposed to it from any of the pathologies that Dan was talking about before? Um, if you do, then address them because that's probably gonna be, at some point, at the very least, it's gonna be uh, a ceiling, right? It's gonna cap you from doing any better in the lift than what you would have been doing previously. Uh, if not, then go talk to some people about doing a better job of the actual exercise, right? If Perform yeah. better, do better. <laughs> That's it.
1: Simple as that. Well, yeah. cool. I've got a, a a fair few as well, and like one of my good clients won't name names, but like um, came to me and yeah, it's had a pretty similar issue. He had like four dislocations on his shoulder. Um, yeah. He wants yeah. to do a powerlifting competition now, um, so I'm sure you can figure out who he is, Sammy. But um, yeah, so I mean, it was a similar situation. It's like I actually quite like bench press and floor press and you know, varia- variations of pressing when done correctly. Again, like another caveat <laughs> to it is you know, are you actually with them and can you do it properly? Because if you're prescribing <laughs> bench press and they're doing it with horrible technique it's like well that's obviously going to exacerbate it If you can be with them and teach them how to properly retract the press you know pull their ribcage back it's like you know if we think about anterior translation it's like well if we can get them to actually posteriorize the humerus and actually drive that into the glenoid, we're going to help with stability you know from a structural point of view so it's like i think it's actually as much as people shit on the bench press and variation saying it's bad for shoulders i think one of the best things in my experience personally, a lot of shoulder dislocations and shoulder instability has been teaching people how to get strong at pressing again, because you're getting them into that position and then training motor control, training strength, building capacity, obviously alongside all the accessory work to, you know, working on reaching working on, you know, in in balances. But I think when done correctly, it's actually one of the best tools in the toolbox. But again, it's like, are you with them and can you make sure they're doing it properly? Yeah. Uh, If you can, awesome. If you can't, you know, I had, a, I had a client come in this week who was very, very similar, um, but he's working with another coach and it's all online. So I was like, I'd love to go through this and give it to you, but I just don't feel confident. So for him, it was a lot more you know traditional shoulder, early stage rehab stuff, because like, I just don't feel confident being like, here, yeah, do a bunch of pressing, even though the pressing is fine, just because obviously the, the <laughs> technique it would be. Uh, and he was very apprehensive and in a bit of pain. So, yeah, it just didn't make sense in that context. So, perfect example. Yeah. Depends.
0: Yeah, I think it, it, it's always going to depend on the presentation, right? Like Every time. It, it, yeah, I mean, massively so. I mean, I worked with a, a, a um, CrossFit athlete recently, like Masters CrossFit athlete. And she, like when, when she came in, had a, a tremendous amount of anterior shoulder pain to the point where she couldn't sleep, like really, really rough. Um, and all, all I really noticed was that her uh, shoulder flexion had massively diminished um, and that it, all, all the mechanisms for extension were coming from the rib cage. So it was just like this massive, massive, <clears throat> um, massive, massive, like amount of compression uh, in, in, the, in the thoracic, right? And so it's that, that we went through just restoring a bit of shape and depth to the rib cage through some breathing and it started to resolve really quickly. We started to go through things that were actually like more flexed. But at the same time, we can't just use that as a cure all for all shoulder anterior shoulder pain. Because if somebody came in and they had like a lot of shape and, and depth, like that sort of like con convex yep. shape to their posterior rib cage, I would have to be thinking it, it, it's probably coming from somewhere else. Yeah, sure. So uh, again, it really does come down to that that presentation. In in my experience, people. People do a lot of really, really ineffective lat training. People do a lot of really poor retraction. Like I tried explaining to someone like your retraction is minimal. Like when you retract, if you lock your rib cage and then try to retract, it's very small. It's not like, this right like it's not this a like huge yeah. movement it's just a tiny amount of movement yeah and so just teaching people that the difference between retraction and full-on extension yeah um so that they're not chewing up the shortened range of their lats and compressing the shit out of their rib cage all the time is mm. normally pretty good
1: In the old uh shoulder extension when you're already extended trick
0: yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. just <laughs> like- just keep going
1: I know you I know your grip is supinated, but it's not doing anything.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, it, it's your arm is already behind you. It, mm. That, that movement is done. Yes. <laughs> Good point though. Yeah. I mean,
1: I hate that you said it though, because it's a lot sexier just to say that I, I like everyone and now you've ruined that, Sam.
0: <laughs> Sorry, man. That's yeah. It's just how it goes. Damn you and your nuance. <laughs> um, did we, do we have time for one more?
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, we can jump. I got, to got ahead and ten. But I reckon we can jump into number two. Which one was number two? Evan?
2: Yeah, uh, oh, that was me. Right. Uh, it was the posture. Oh, we...
1: oh god. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've got the um the bar the straight bar path on the high bar. Yeah, foot. yeah. Oh. Let's
0: do that one. Sam yeah. is itching. Let's look yeah. at him. He's... <laughs> <laughs> Give the man what he wants. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys go 1st that's
1: photo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is fantastic. Uh, so, uh, what are your thoughts uh, on perfect vertical bar path on a barbell back squat? I want to hear your thoughts, Sammy.
0: You want to hear my yeah, thoughts? Yeah, I really want to this.
2: hear yours because, man, okay. I am, I am, I am interested. Hit me if, oh, it, if you
0: can tell but me the, how go. something being perfectly vertical would actually make it better. I'd be really interested to hear it. I don't, I don't think, no, like a bar path. Oh, we'll I don't just, think you okay. could actually tell. I don't think you could actually show in, I don't think you could actually do it in the human body. I don't think the human body is capable of moving in a perfectly vertical line because everything is just an expression of rotation on top of another rotation, essentially. Like if we really boil it down, like everything is just rotating on top of something else that's rotating. So I think this, this like vertical line thing where people like, uh, uh, coaches, I told me to move in a vertical line. It's like, look, that's fine. It's like, it's okay. And I get it. And I've used that. I, I've used that analogy before. It's like, you should move as str- straight as you can manage. And I, I think that's fine. Like you can say that to people, but when you start to actually say to people like straighter is better, you're missing the point because if you, uh, you're assuming that straighter is better and that that somehow is smarter than the human body's ability to organize itself under load which i personally feel is going to be way smarter than a straight line that you drew on an app so oh. i think that the human body yeah. has a much better capacity and ability to actually organize itself under load and respond to minute rates of change that are completely beyond your comprehension and is so much more interesting than a bloody straight line That if all you do is understand the big rocks of the squat, as in pull your center of mass back more and actually uh, bias the systems that are required to propel you out of the hole and off of the floor, if all you do is bias those, I, I don't care how, how straight it looks because it's not actually straight. It's the same way when people tell me like, oh, that's a bunny in the clouds. Like, no, it's a cloud. I get that. I get what you're saying. But it's a cloud, right? It's not actually a bunny in the cloud. It's just a cloud. So mm-hmm. it might look straight, but it's not straight. It, it's made of many, many, many different little rotations.
2: Is mm-hmm. there, and like, I just
0: think it's useless.
2: I'm just going to play devil's advocate here, right? Because, I mean, I'm like, is it not then logical at some extent to create the minimum amount of distance between the bottom and the top and minimizing translation anteriorly and posteriorly does the, I mean, if we're looking at it purely maybe for more physics concepts, is it not more efficient and therefore require less energy? So is it not a problem to have someone striving towards something that doesn't deviate horrendously from somewhat of a vertical representation versus saying to someone, you have to be straight? Does
0: that make yeah, sense? I, I, yeah, I have no issue with you trying to make something more efficient. Yeah. Okay. But I don't think we should say... I I don't think it helps anyone to like draw a line down their body and tell them that more efficient is just lining the bar up with that line. Because what that might do is take your body's organizational strategies into something that is then less efficient. Maybe you just simply trying to adhere to an imagined line is making Mm -hmm. you less efficient.
1: Fair enough. Yeah, okay. The goal sense. is what? Trying to keep your combined center and mass of the barbell and you over your base support in a nutshell. Yeah, Yeah.
0: yeah right? Like, you just <laughs> keep your body <laughs> under the bar and they it'll work maybe. out. It may now, not be a
1: straight line because we all have different shapes and sizes and different techniques and bar placements and exhibit, like, all that kind of stuff. Would mm. be a simple answer, maybe. I don't know. It's, my brain's simple. Is that, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. That makes sense. Yeah, cool. I,
0: I, I just I, – like, I don't think it's helpful – for people to compare themselves to straight lines, because we're not straight lines at all. We're that's not how we move. And again, it's like we're not pulleys and levers. And, and you're those
1: something two D to a three D model, or you know, yeah, to a four D model. Really, I was going to
0: say like four D. Yeah, for sure. Like it's you know, the, it's the, it's the it's amount easy. of intricacy.
1: Well, I think it's like it comes down to education sometimes too. Like I'm not going to lie; like I definitely use the photos of squats and deadlifts from a side yeah. profile. Like it's a good teaching tool, but it's the same way of like. The best example I can think of is like trying to teach, um, you know, planes of movement. It's like realistically, you know, sagittal, transverse, coronal, uh, man made concepts to help us understand and teach better. But realistically, it's like everything that you say is transverse, everything is three dimensional, four dimensional. Mm-hmm. But to teach it to a novice PT or a novice, you know, physio osteo, it's like it's easy to say this, this, and this. It's almost like movement. You want to kind of go to isolation first, learn the foundations, and put a few bits and pieces together, integration, then teach skill. So I think. The same way of these lines it's like what's well, cool to show like anthony said you know this is more efficient you know than a bar going all over the place you know the bar being over our center of mass you know blah blah, blah. but then it's like as you start to get to you know more intense or more um i guess in-depth understandings of it then there's going to be a lot more intricacies it can't be as simple as just the straight line that we learned when we're in first year
0: biomechanics yeah
2: so this this straight line sounds to me like the bottom end of the dunning-kruger effect. is that was that what it is this, is that what we're kind of at here
0: <laughs> is <laughs> that the, the valley of despair
2: yeah, it's kind of like we're kind of figuring out that this is all and I think kind of Dan's like no, it's like it sounds like we're trying to put boundaries around what is otherwise a relatively boundless environment, which is human hmm. movement but we're trying to put constraints on it so we can conceptualize it a little bit better and we can store it in our brains in a more efficient method. so maybe that's the whole idea of the straight line right is that it's trying to it's offering people a an idea, but I think, I mean, how many examples are there of this in in everything where there's a concept and it just gets taken way too freaking far and becomes a law? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, mm. I, I
0: think it's just like you you could end up doing some really weird and counterintuitive things in a squat in the name oh, yeah. of making the bar move straighter. And that's yeah. not what I'm, that's what I'm not okay with. Yeah. That's fair. is that I would rather it deviate slightly, but have you move in positions that make more sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah which is more efficient even though it yeah. not yeah that's right so it's like i you know i teach people uh, especially probably over the last 12 months to retract less in their squat right and it's it, to take away this sort of flatness <laughs> in straight yeah to take away this like flatness and this you said i want to get bullied on this podcast <laughs> i'm not i'm not I'm not calling you out you just happen to be here so <laughs> like, like you know, just, just teaching people how to flex more, but I'm not, I'm, what I'm not actually doing. I'm like, I'm not teaching them how to flex more. I'm teaching them to be comfortable with more flexion, but really what I'm teaching them how to do is like pull more weight back. Cause that just happens to be a, a product of, or flexion happens to be a product of you doing that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I would rather, you know, I would rather have somebody not fall forward and have it look uh, maybe a little less than conventional, but have them be a much better squatter because of it.
1: You would actually be very happy with me the other day, um, Sam. I almost, <laughs> I didn't tell you this, uh, on my check-in, but um, <laughs> it all comes out now. Well, I always, in I always, the public eye. Oh, man, I <laughs> almost fell on my ass on one set of squats because I was like, more heels, more posterior, more posterior. And then I was like, oh, fuck. I'm gonna oh, fall.
0: no, too much posterior. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Put that a little bit too literally. I'm like, find your find you heel, find your heel. And over I went. <laughs> Yeah. I
0: mean, I've, I've been caught out like that before. I think if there's like, gotcha. if you name a, but you name an accident that you can make in the gym, I've definitely done it over the last like 13 odd years. You know, you might've dodged it if you had gone for a vertical bar path though. Just saying. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's You're when safer. it will save you. Yeah.
1: Man. yeah.
0: Just- so if you don't want to at least fall backwards, aim for vertical, but yeah, I, I guess my, my opinion is don't worry about vertical too much you know if you if you don't aim for vertical a, aim for the positions that make sense they will probably in turn produce a more efficient bar path that will be closer to vertical
2: yeah, nice.
0: but aiming for vertical won't get you the necessarily to the positions that make the most sense that's a good one good summary elite we should do more of this cool <laughs> yeah sweet Easy. Well, we'll uh, book in another one in the next six months when our calendars all align again. But
2: like the pyramids of geese are all trying to like, yeah, <laughs> <right>? yeah. <laughs> the Get the that star David, bro. It's
0: happening.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so hopefully, there's some decent answers in those two questions. Man.
0: I mean, yeah, uh, hopefully that helps people out. And sense. I guess if uh, people do enjoy this format, all they have to do is let us know, and we'll keep doing it.
2: We'll answer more questions. Cool. Sounds good. All oh, right, fellas.
0: Always a pleasure. Never a trouble. Yeah, cheers, gentlemen. Is he done? No worries. All right. Thanks, gentlemen. I will talk to you all soon. Cheers.
1: Adios. Be